0: to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Well, our next guest, David Ralph, is the extremely attractive host of the top-ranked online show, Join Up the Dots. Join Up Dots, where I was just recently a guest. In each episode, he takes his guests on a journey of discovery following the words of the late Steve Jobs from birth to today and back again. David joins up the dots of his guests' lives, highlighting their failures and successes with more than a few laughs in between. Join Up Dots has gained a massive audience in over 160 countries with its fun and quirky style. David is an ex-corporate trainer with a wife, five kids, three grandkids, a cat, and originally a snail who is now officially dead.
1: David! Welcome to the show. Oh, it's lovely to be here, Mr. Wheeler. We finally got it going, and you, you almost <laughs> did the fatal, the fatal thing that people do by throwing in "join up the dots." It, it's the one thing that drives me mad. Yeah, I, I wondered if people sort of add
0: that extra thing in there. Uh, let's just add that word. It's not yeah. there. The "z" <laughs> the is silent. <laughs>
1: And, and, and the, the thing that annoys me most, if I'm being really confessional now, is the ones that say, oh, I love your show. I've listened to every episode. And then they call it Join Up the Dots. And I think, well, I'm not sure you're listening to the right show then. But okay, well, yeah. we'll, let it, we'll let it go. But <laughs> well, there happens to be another show <laughs> called Join
0: Up the Dots. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, David, so I have to ask you this. So you are an ex-corporate trainer does that mean you teach people how to live in cubicles with excitement like
1: it, it what <laughs> it's it funny actually you're, you're not far away from it it was more the fact of teaching people how to get out of the cubicles <laughs> okay. um and there, there's a weird story one of the last things i did i had an induction course and in england we used to have do this a course called Induction, where people would come in and you would teach them how to be a member of staff. And so they'd stay with me for five days and then they'd go off to the different teams and do their thing. And the very last one, I'd kind of lost my mojo for the business. And I had 15 people that came in on a Monday morning at nine o'clock. And I said to them, look, it's great for you to be here. It's really wonderful company, but don't stay here for more than six months. You know, Use it as a stepping stone to go off and do something else and you can go off and do something else because you're brilliant, sexually attractive people. Go for it. And of those 15 people, only two came back from lunch and all 13 of them quit and decided that they could do something else. And so it wasn't my best day in the office, but it was the day when I realized I have to be an (laughs) ex-trainer.
0: Or they were going to make you one anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's too funny. Now, when you were like five or six years old, did you say... I want to be a corporate trainer. Like, was that the vision?
1: It's no, it wasn't. And actually, this is really weird. But I found out recently. My my mum and dad have lived in the same house for like 150 years, and so I grew up in this house. And you know, when you leave at the age of sort of like 20, 22, you leave some stuff just so that you've never moved out. So there's a toothbrush there, and there's a, some t-shirts and stuff, and there's probably my my. Program from Huey Lewis and the News concert 1987, and um, I went back and cleaned out the loft, and I found a load of cassette tapes that we used to have in the 80s and the 70s, and I realised I used to go round to like the bank manager and the the butcher and you know proper adults with a tape recorder and interview them, and it was real fascinating that I had all these little tapes of my little nine year old voice, eight year old voice, and now. 30, 40 years down the line, I'm doing it for a living. So it, it was a real join up the dots moment. So no, I didn't plan to be an ex-trainer, but it seemed to be that I planned to be a podcaster, but had to wait 40 years until podcasting became a thing.
0: We all have to wait for good things to come. So you waited 40 years to become a podcaster. So it was the it was there, even though we didn't even know the concept existed, right?
1: There wasn't yeah. even... It, it, it was an itch that had to be scratched, basically. There you go. And um, did you, once you get to that point, you, you've got to keep on scratching. You got to keep scratching because the itch keeps coming back. It does. keeps coming.
0: Now, did you have brothers and sisters? Were you an only child? Did your parents say, do whatever you want? Or did they tell you to go be a corporate trainer? Like what, what was growing up like?
1: Growing up was job for life. You know, I went through the education system, basically doing the courses. I I, I wanted to be the next Wham. Basically, I wanted to be <laughs> a pop star, and my mum wanted me to work in a bank. And so, when ah. I came through the education system, I said to my mum, and I remember this distinctly, "I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to, you know, I've I've been learning all this time. I'm going to take some time off." And she said, "No, you're not. You're going to get a job." And she actually wrote the job applications for me and sent me. And unfortunately, I, I seemed to be quite good in interviews and I got the job. So I ended up working for a high street bank and I walked up the steps and thought, oh my God, I'm going to be here six weeks. And I did 10 years um, <laughs> until I had enough. Um, and then I left and I went into insurance. I am the most boring person. I did 10 years banking, 10 years insurance uh, until I thought I can't do anything anymore. And I sort of left. So no, I didn't have any plan at all. It was very much that my parents kind of drove me where I went and I didn't have any ambition. I just kind of floated around for like a couple of decades, getting drunk, listening to music, going to concerts and, you know, getting drunk again, really. Well, it's, I mean, at least
0: you had the getting drunk part. I mean, it sort of feels like a 20 year sentence. It, like you did time, you did the bank. It wasn't like. I experienced life at the bank.
1: No, I didn't experience anything. I I met a lot of nice people, and I think we can all say that. And I think whenever we leave an organization, we always say, I won't miss the company, but I'll miss the people. Um, But what it did, it taught me, funnily enough, how to podcast. Because one of the things I had to be was a cold caller, where you'd pick up the phone in the old days. um, And these were the phones with the curly wire that you actually sort of crooked under your neck so there was no headphones and Stuff and um, and phone people up and try to sell banking products to them. And it was I look back on it now and I realise it was one of the greatest podcast training because when you do a podcast, you literally have to connect with a complete stranger and make it seem like you've known them all your life and right. uh, and so i can hark back to certain parts of my career and think i probably wouldn't be where i am now without it so it wasn't wasted time it was just time that i didn't know what i was doing
0: exactly you were just in training and you just didn't know it so yeah, yeah. That works. That works. And when you were growing up, did your parents talk about money? Like they talked, obviously they said, go get a job for life. Uh, Do the smart, you know, do the stable thing. But did uh, they talk about money? Did they tell you how much money they had? Did they give you an allowance?
1: Uh, I had to work for everything. And so we didn't get any allowance. So if I mowed the lawn, I'd get something. Um, If I made a cup of tea, we used to have this thing called the productivity scheme. And there was like a chart up on the wall, where if I made a cup of tea, I'd get two pence. Which is like nothing now. My, my kids won't even get out of bed for twenty pounds, <laughs> and this this was two two p. And if I washed a car, I'd get a little bit. So if I if it was like slave labor, and I worked in a sweatshop all week for my yep. parents, I could get to about three pounds, you know, which was an awful lot of money. But no, they never talked about money because my mum was always totally skinned. There was no money about, no money about. And we were always really, really skinned. Funnily enough, well, not funny enough, my mum's now had a stroke. And so I've become controller of their finances. I've got loads of money. I can't believe it. Every <laughs> bank account is jam-packed with thousands and thousands of pounds. But certainly when we were growing up, it was always said to us that we were skin and we couldn't afford it.
0: <laughs> so is there a little uh, uh, revenge spending going on right now to make up for the past?
1: Well, I've I still, I, I, I've listened to quite a few of your guests and they have similar um, outlooks. I was listening to your show, Lisa Peterson, who I know yeah. quite well. And um, she was saying... The same thing as me. Even when you have money, if you've grown up without any money, it's very difficult to spend it. You're almost programmed to think you're skint. And so (laughs) now the only thing I really spend money on is when I go on vacation. And it's like, and I've, I've thought about this and I think we spoke about it on my show. And it's that feeling of nobody's here who knows me I can be a yeah. bit flash with the money. Where yeah. in my own country, I'm quite happy to walk around borrowing clothes off of um, panhandlers and vagabonds um, <laughs> to, to sort of cover it. But yeah, there's, there, there is a funny thing with money that I've got that even though I've got money, I kind of tell the wife that I haven't got any money. And that, that's got <laughs> to come from my mum because that's what she did to me.
0: <laughs> and when you go on vacation, do you... Put it on a credit card. Do you know how much you're going to spend on a vacation? Or is it just uh, like, let's just let it fly by the seat of the pants?
1: It's crazy balls time. It's it's just that the my family always say, I don't understand it. You're so tight at home, but on holiday, you, you go like mad. And I just think that when you're on vacation, there's nothing worse than somebody saying, no, you can't have an ice cream and you can't have this. You know, they pay all this money to go somewhere, then right. exper- experience it. So no, I kind of have a mental tick list. Well, I kind of manually tot it up. So every time you have a McDonald's or something, I think, okay, that that's, you know, I know what I'm spending, but I don't really yeah. care. No, that's
0: awesome. I so I grew up in a big family. So when we went on vacation, um, or even going to Disneyland, we had our packed sandwiches that we had to sn- smuggle in. We go to the movies, we have our own homemade popcorn.
1: <laughs> we like Oh, we, we, never all do, to- we all do that, don't we? we all, <laughs> on, on the hottest day of the year, the kids are wearing overcoats so that we can stuff <laughs> drinks and sweets in from the shop down the road before they go in. Yeah. So, no, we all do that.
0: Oh, my God. It's like, Mom, why can't we just buy a soda from the plate? No. No, we have our own. Just let me get it out of my purse. Oh my God. I'm I'm,
1: I'm still, I'm still (laughs) like that to today. I'm not paying those prices. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, once again, it's it's weird really, because you can afford it, but I can't justify spending more on the food than seeing the film.
0: (laughs) Exactly. $8 for a water. Yeah. Uh, And how much, um, since you have kids, um, how much help should kids get financially? Like, young and even into adulthood.
1: This is an interesting thing, because I think that they should get support. But if your kids are really, really lazy and won't do anything, then I don't think they should get anything at all. So I I heard like Paul McCartney saying, you know, he wouldn't buy his daughter a secondhand Volkswagen Beetle because he felt that she should Earn it, she should work for it, you know. And I totally understand that if you've got money, you shouldn't just give it to your kids. Um, But kids nowadays, maybe it's just my kids, as I say, they won't do anything unless it's for a of King's Ransom, you know, where yeah. the hustle that I had to earn my three pounds when I was a kid seems to go out the window. It's because, you know, they won't like get out of their bed for 20 pounds. Well, yeah. I, I will sleep with someone for 20 pounds. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I really don't care. That's, hey, 20 pounds is 20 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs>
0: Put it in the bank. (laughs) And now, do any of your kids want to be like social media celebrities or influencers, or are they going for the job for life? or are they going to follow in your footsteps
1: my my son's going through university and he's doing film and media editing so he wants to be in the kind of movie business um which is great because even if you don't get into the movie business you can make videos and films for local companies and stuff so he's learning skills there and my daughter is very much in the performing arts um but they're all always on tiktok totally they're obsessed with tiktok i i could don't know a tick from a tock, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got no idea what this platform is, but there's a big drawer. So they do really focus in on social media, but not Facebook. My wife's on Facebook all the time. They don't go near Facebook. It just seems to be TikTok that they seem to watch.
0: <laughs> and when you met your wife, um, did you guys, did you two talk about finances? Like, did you ask her her bank balances? Did she ask you if she, if you were a good investment? Like, was she taking a gamble? <laughs>
1: What a stupid question to ask, Mr. <laughs> Wheeler. I don't, I don't talk finances with my wife now. Um, and it's funny, I should have learned. When I first met her, I realized that she was a lovely person, a great person, and she was three grand in debt. And I lent her three grand. Before we were together, before we were anything, I said, look, you're working hard, you're doing a, another job to try and pay off your debts. I will give you 3000 and now we've been married 30 years, and she still owes me £972.65p. <laughs> she, she hasn't paid off this debt. And she says, oh, I've paid it off wow. in other ways. And she's just kind of written it off. But what I should have said to her is, why are you in this debt? Because 30 years down the line... I can see why, because she's as bad now with her money as she was then, you know, being totally <laughs> transparent. We had a joint account for about three days until I realized that we were going to be totally skint if I allowed her to just dip into the, the family bank account. And so yeah. we've, had, we've had separate finances since then. She has her money and I, I run the house because otherwise it would just be a free for all. She, she, she'd be like a Mel Marcos with like 600 pairs of shoes and, and 700 bras.
0: Well, you know, you got to have two for every day of the week.
1: Well, I do. Yeah, I'm trying to cut back. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, so even now, your wife, you don't talk about money, but do you budget? Do you budget? Do you plan things out? Or do you just work from the premise, we don't have any money?
1: No, I, I very much, I budget things out. I, I like, I love a spreadsheet. And I like to pay myself first. That's one of the things. So I have six pots, basically, that every bit of money that I earn, I put onto a spreadsheet, and it tells me to put 20% in here, 20% in there, a bit for my tax and stuff. And then I operate from what's left. And I've always done that. And so it's, (laughs) it's very difficult to to budget and save when you've been used to spending. But when you've come from an environment where you was always skint, you had no money, it's quite easy because you don't need a lot to sort of operate. So that's what I do. I very much budget and I look at it and I've got like a pot for Christmas and holidays and things like that. And I've got another pot for uh, tax and another pot for whatever. Um, And I split it up very much on there. And Religiously, I do that, you know, and I, I like playing around with the figures and changing yeah. the percent and thinking, oh, in five years, I will have this amount if I keep on saving at this rate and 20 years, I'll have that. I I like doing these little sort of calculations on there.
0: And then do you celebrate when you hit the benchmark?
1: I do personally, but I don't tell her about it because if, if I tell... Told- <laughs> <laughs> if, if I told her about it, I wouldn't be hitting that benchmark. That's
0: right. You'll have to pay for the celebration. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you have, do you have any financial regrets? Is there one financial thing you did that you say, man, wish I hadn't done that?
1: Yeah, there was, there was one. Stocks and shares. I I was up in the city of London, so I got involved in stocks and shares. That was my sort of game. And you have to keep your eye on the ball with stocks and shares. You have to know when to sell. And I bought some shares um, in the name of Millwall Football Club, which are a football club in United Kingdom. And they've, they've always been quite a low level, but where they're based is prime Um, location and so this guy told me you should buy shares in Millwall Football Club and I bought them at 0.5p and on one day they got into the FA Cup final and played Man United and they went up to 11p on that day and I lost about 500 grand um it just didn't dawn on me that I should be selling them. And, uh, and that, that's my biggest financial regret. I look back on that and think, oh, my God, you know, that, that, that would have been a windfall and such an easy windfall, but I didn't do it.
0: What is your favorite uh, place to invest money? Is it real estate? Is it stocks and bonds? Is it
1: Cryptocurrency? Land. No, I, I don't understand. I don't understand crypto. I don't understand Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do understand land, and I do understand that buying land in positions where other people might need it in the future will yep. always pay you back. So um, I've got one or two plots of land um, scattered around which I've bought, which will be quite valuable sort of in a few years' time. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of I'm a bit lazy. So in yep. the old days, I loved it because there was good interest rates and you could put the money in you and you, you get a good return and it's quite safe. Nowadays, the interest rates are negative. You know, every, the, the countries are in <laughs> debt. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this a question because you're a money man. and <laughs> I, I, I can't answer this. Our country, the United Kingdom, owe £275 trillion. Okay. Right. They owe it. So who's given it to them? Because I don't, I don't imagine America has got two hundred and seventy. You know who's got that amount of money? And my second question: If they're a government, why don't they just print a load of money and give it back to them? Why? Why are we in debt? Why can't we? Why can't we print money up? Well, we can print money up. It's just uh, that's what we're doing here in the USA
0: right now. We're printing uh, and printing and printing and printing. But eventually, people are going to realize it's just paper. <laughs> We're, we've all agreed that it had a value, but uh, as we keep printing more and more, it starts to have less and less value. And oh, uh, is that
1: is that how it works? So that's that's so- why <laughs> we're we're just in debt until my great 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 granddaughter, you know, passes away. We're we're never going to get and out of this debt.
0: We're never going to get out. We probably need to do a whole reset everywhere, but uh, that's probably not going to happen either. Uh, No. But but you imagine
1: it, 275 trillion. And I I couldn't compute that number. And so I saw it and they worked it out. You know, it's like a thousand thousand billion or something. And you think that's mad. And, and somebody's lent them that. So, you know, Donald Trump's got a few quid as, as as he
0: lent them. Donald Trump is still trying to get loans. I don't know that he's. Uh, everybody's dropping him at the moment, so I don't know that uh, he's going to be somebody that's lending out the money.
1: <laughs> no, he's he's lovable, old Donald. I I I laughed every day for four years.
0: <laughs> you laugh and cry. You laugh and mm. cry. What do you talk to your kids about with money? Do you actually have? You don't talk to your wife. We're clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> she, you don't even know what you're having for dinner. But,
1: no, uh, that's right.
0: <laughs> but, but do you talk to your kids about money? Do you uh, encourage them?
1: And, and funny, I encourage my son to be a bit more generous. My son is so tight. You know, he's got the nickname Squirrel because he buries his money and we never see it again. Um, and <laughs> he's, he's starting to just understand that it's actually quite nice to be generous to his mum on Mother's Day and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, my daughter, who's just turning 16, she hasn't got a job. And she doesn't need a job really at the moment. And so she hasn't really got money worries because she comes to the bank of dad. So if she has to buy a present for someone, it's me who pays it, you know. Um, And I think they're quite clued up really, my kids, with, with money. But I think it's as bad being tight as it is being you know, a, a spender. I think there, there is a happy medium yeah. if you're buying the right things. You know, he had a girlfriend. It was his first girlfriend. And we said, you know, are you going to buy her a birthday present? No. We said, you, you can't buy a birthday <laughs> present, you know, and it, it was like him coughing up a lung or something, you know. So, um, so he's never going to be skin. <laughs> and uh, does, uh, does Bank of
0: Dad have a high interest rate? Uh, or uh, is it zero interest rate? It's zero.
1: It's probably negative interest rate. Yeah. Um, I don't think I will see that back again. But, you know, it's, it's what you do, isn't it?
0: It's what you do. <laughs> it's what you do. Um, well, we are, we're getting close to um, our fast five moment. So okay. uh, I'm going mean, to ask you these fast five questions. Uh, you don't have to think too long on them. We thought hours on him, but but you just take a couple minutes. Um, aside from necessities, what's the one thing you cannot go a day without? Air. <laughs> I th- that might be a necessity for some people, but, <laughs> but I hear you. <laughs> what song would you say best sums up your life?
1: Um, Happy Talk by Captain Sensible. There's a real rubbish song in the United Kingdom, and it got to number one. And it, you know when a song's so rubbish, it's actually good. Yeah. And um <laughs> I think Happy Talk is the song that I will play at my funeral as much because it would wind my wife up as anyone else. <laughs>
0: That sounds good. Um, and you'll have land to bury yourself in just in case uh, you've run out of money. So, Well, I've
1: got this planned. I want to be put on a, a catapult and just twang, and the force of me hitting the ground will just bury me. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> it, it'll be like the 4th of July where we we'll set off a few fireworks and just twang me up into the air and see where I land. And that would be my burial place. See where you place. land.
0: That's that, that could be fun. Uh, If you, uh, what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten?
1: Cool. Probably the dinner I'm having tonight when I get home, um, (laughs) I I imagine. Um, Strangest thing I've ever eaten. Um, God, I have eaten some weird things. Uh, I did eat buffalo once in America, and I wasn't convinced whether they were actually buffalo. You know, I I was wondering, it was just a name. Um, I've had some weird things in America, to be honest. Um, If you do a road trip, you don't eat healthily, to say the least. So, um, yes. That is true. That's true. Certainly, some weird stuff over there.
0: Yes, there is. Uh, if you could teleport yourself, where would you go and why?
1: I'd come over there, and so we could do this live, <laughs> and and I could reach I could reach out and touch you. If you know, we're not saying hashtag Me Too, but um, I, I would I, I'd like to touch you.
0: <laughs> Connection. Yes. Connection. Um, what What is one of your favorite mem- memories around money?
1: Um, I think the last holiday that we had because since then we've gone into lockdown and uh, we had a great three four week holiday through new york and through pennsylvania up to niagara falls and it was just a great holiday all four of us my family in a car the last two kids um and it's happy memories because you see it so much on the tv and the kids go oh i've been there oh i've been there you know and i, I like that that they, they've connected those good times
0: That's cool. That's cool. I think traveling and family experiences can be a really nice thing. Sometimes they can be really painful, but, uh, for the most part, I I think that's, uh, I like those family memories. Um, so we're at our sweet spot, our M and M moment, our money and motivation. Um, can you give the listeners a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom that you've learned along the way?
1: Yeah, I said it earlier, pay yourself first. Don't try to save what you've got left because you've never got anything left. Just look at what you've got, knock off 20% and then live on what you've got. And you will live on what you've got. And that's the thing. And then you could make it 25% and 30% and you'll still be able to live on what you've got left. Pay yourself first and then leave it non-negotiable. Keep on adding to it. Keep on adding to it. And once it gets to a certain point, if you do see an investment that you want, then go for it. But don't think of it as just, oh, I dip into that whenever I want. That's gone. That's gone money. That's future money.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's true, true. And I, you know, what I'm hearing you talk about is not obsessing about money, not like trying to be the richest person in the world, but like having enough to have your needs met, um, having enough to have your wife's needs met, um, and, and actually doing what you love. Like you were doing corporate stuff and, uh, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't feeding your soul maybe so to speak and, uh, looking for those things that actually make you happy. Um, and, and, and not what I'm not also hearing is lots of anger at your parents for not talking about money or not giving you all the stuff. It's like, Hey, I'm learning this as I go. And
1: Yeah, I, I think actually, you know, when I left corporate land, I was on a good salary. And I was obsessed with replacing that salary through my entrepreneurial ventures. And uh, it was harder than I imagined. And it was it was quite difficult. Now, I would rather be the poorest man in the place as long as I've got freedom and time and the ability to do what I want, that there was a time that I was obsessed about. If I got this amount of money, I needed to get this amount of money. And I think it was an ego metric more than anything else. So that I could say to people, yeah, I wasn't an idiot leaving my job. I've done really well for myself. And now I've done really well for myself. If on a Monday morning when everybody else is traipsing off to work, um, I'm sitting there watching Netflix Sticking biscuits and cookies into a cup of coffee, um, you know, just because it's it's that time. Um, so I had turned three sixty in the last probably five years from being money driven to freedom driven,
0: yeah, I, it's so important. And I've worked with so many people that have reached their financial goals, made all this money, and they find they're not happy. And for me, I'd rather have happy than rich. yeah, I enjoy money, but I'd rather be happy than rich.
1: Yeah, I'd like to be happy with a rich wife. That that would there work quite well for me.
0: <laughs> and then she could spend whatever she wanted. Yeah. And then it would be a joint account. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Where can people find you on um, social media and online?
1: Uh, just Google. Go to Google and type in join up dots, not join up the dots, but join up dots. And you'll find me. Google's a good place for finding things. So yeah, you'll, you'll find me there.
0: Google makes us all smarter people. <laughs> it does. Uh It does. So to our listeners, don't forget to share the love. You can follow us uh, or like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player. Visit Apple Podcasts and search for Money You Should Ask or click on the link below. If you prefer to watch our episodes, head over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. For more tips, tools, or how to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's Money Nerve, N-E-R-V-E, not nerd. Um, David, it's been so awesome having you here. I'm glad technology worked again and uh, wishing you the best. Thanks so
1: much. Thank you very much, Bob. It's an absolute pleasure.